Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.57 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 9th of February, 2021. This is episode 353 of Bitcoin. And we're going to talk about speculative attacks on the dollar. Don't worry. We're going to get into Elon Musk and what happened yesterday. You know, what's so funny is that that thing was actually going on, being announced while I was on the tail end of recording yesterday's episode. So, look. <laughs> Much to my surprise, after I like after I did vital statistics and I was like square looking at the price, it clearly was not going on like in the middle of yesterday's show because that's when I no- normally run the numbers, right? <clears throat> so imagine my surprise <laughs> when uh, I finished up all post production and, and got this thing uploading, and then uh, <laughs> looked over at yet another screen and I was like, "WTF, bruh? Wow, what a!" What a day that was. And we're probably in for another weird day today because God only knows what the price is going to do. However, speculative attacks, uh, we talk about it a lot. You hear people say it. You hear pe- you, you see people write it on Twitter. What the hell is it? Exactly what are we talking about when, we, when it comes to a quote-unquote speculative attack? We have this one by Croesus. That's C-R-O-E-S-U-S on Twitter. Uh, good follow too, by the way. He's got some uh, some interesting interesting tweets and and uh, explanations about stuff and things and junk and stuff. <clears throat> but he's got this one says explaining Bitcoin speculative attack on the dollar. He wrote this one sometime yesterday, <laughs> probably after Elon Musk did his thing. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine, and we start here. Not all assets are created equal. Some appreciate in value, some lose value over time. This is obvious with things we consume, like the groceries we eat or the clothes we wear, but the same is true of assets that don't visibly deplete, but nevertheless lose value over time through wear and tear, like a car accumulating miles or a building without active maintenance. Less obvious is how assets that are not depleted by consumption or depreciated through use also vary in their performance over time. Traditionally, scarce assets like gold or land do a good job of maintaining their value and growing in relatively fixed proportions to the global economy. Ownership shares in successful companies typically generate additional yield by putting scarce capital to work. Ultimately, it's about the DNA of the asset. Its inherent properties dictate how the value of the asset will trend over time. If we put all of these different asset types into one image that characterizes their respective natures, it would look something like this. And then he's got like a, a, a an XY, you know, uh, graph here with value on the, uh, on the Y axis or axis and time on the X, which is, you know, customary. 
And there's equities, scarce assets, depreciating assets, and then consumption. And they all have different, you know, consumption basically just goes, you know, to zero real quick over time. Depreciating assets, a little take, go to zero, but, you know, takes a lot, you know, a lot longer. Scarce assets have a tendency to rise in value over time and equities uh, rise even fa slightly faster than that. That's basically what, what's going on here. <clears throat> This high-level image is missing something, though, modern currencies. Gold was currency until not too long ago, only losing its link to paper currencies in 1971. Since that time, we have been in a truly anomalous era of human history, a 50-year departure from the 75,000 years of documented use of hard money. Wow, when you think about it that way, think about that. 50 years out of 75,000 even if we say 25,000, okay? Let, let's go way conservative. <clears throat> 25,000 years of, it, of, of human history using hard money. And after only 50 years of this bullshit, all of our art is bad and all of our food is made of corn. That's not me. That was the tweet and I can't remember who said that. Uh, God, oh, that's too bad. But yeah, it was, that was not me. But uh, essentially... Since, you know, 1971, actually in the, in the tweet, it was since 1913 when the Federal Reserve was done. But still, that's, that's true. All of our art is bad. Our architecture looks like crap. Right? Nobody's building for the future. Right? And it's all because money doesn't mean anything anymore. And because of that, you lose your link to reality. You know, money as a technology helps ground you in reality. We don't have that anymore. We've been living in a freaking sitcom like Leave It to Beaver since 1971, okay? So, <clears throat> continuing on, a 50-year departure from the 75,000 years of documented use of hard money. For the first time ever, we are engaged in a monetary experiment where money is fiat currency, which is currency by decree alone and no asset backing whatsoever. Of greatest relevance to our focus, however, is the guiding principle at the heart of fiat currency, Decay by design. Central bankers and governments believe it is best for the economy that you spend or invest your money rather than store your earnings as savings, and they have designed the currency to lose 2% of its value per year in order to impose that assumption. As Paul Tudor Jones phrased it, quote, If you own cash in the world today, you know your central bank has an avowed goal of depreciating its value 2% per year. Quite simply, this math means that the dollar's value is designed to dump forever. <clears throat> if we take this exponential decay and fit it into our logarithmic view of the various asset classes, we get something like this. And he returns to the exact same uh, XY axis uh, graph that he had earlier. And this time it includes inflationary assets, which basically is on, on, on a, the longer downward swing, okay? So it takes even longer. Consumption goes to zero quick. Depreciating assets go to, goes to zero a lot longer. Inflationary assets go to zero, but takes even longer. So that'd be fiat currencies and, he says, airline miles. The newest entrant into the set of global money competitors is Bitcoin. Bitcoin's performance over time is not linked with either global economic production or with the policy goal of losing 2% of value every year. Instead, Bitcoin's performance is linked to increasing scarcity, which is to say that its design is predicated on a simple mathematical concept of decreasing issuance over time. 
to borrow the common simplification of what gives land its value, we can say about Bitcoin, it's the only thing they're making less and less of. See, the, the whole thing with land is they're not making any more of it, which is not entirely true, by the way. Artificial islands are being built all the time. So yes, they are actually making more land. So that doesn't actually work here anymore. It used to, but it, not anymore. You might think that it's better to own something that they're not making any more of rather than something that they're making less and less of. And indeed, it would not be inaccurate to say that land is a larger store of value asset than Bitcoin today because they are making less of it than they are of Bitcoin. But what matters more to individuals than what is the largest asset today is how the assets will hold how the assets they hold will perform over time. To borrow Tudor Jones' words again, an investor's goal is to be on the fastest horse. <clears throat> when a great painter dies, the value of their existing work tends to shoot upwards. Why? Because investors are guaranteed that the painter will be producing less work. <laughs> oh, that's grim, dude. There will be no more newly added supply at all. As such, all market demand must bid for existing supply, and everybody knows it causing willingness to pay it to increase for a slice of the newly scarce body of work. At its core, this is the concrete economic advantage of Bitcoin. No other asset in history has leveraged math to deliver a credible guarantee of steadily reducing supply into the future. The simple reality of this is that Bitcoin's design gives it the scarcity of gold today. With the added rocket fuel of increasing scarcity that a famous painter's death lends to their life's work, except... The supply shock happens every four years, so there's even stronger incentive for hodlers to keep hodling through each successive halving. In short, increasing scarcity that causes Bitcoin's value to go, to go up exponentially over time. <clears throat> when we view Bitcoin's price history in linear terms, the trend is so dramatic that it's hard to make sense of. By viewing the same data in logarithmic terms, and there's this, this graph that shows, again, X on the uh, X axis is time and on the uh, Y scale is the price of Bitcoin. And there's, it shows the price of Bitcoin uh, as what you would normally see on like trading view and then a curve fit, which is basically sort of a exponential growth. And it's actually rather, rather disturbing insofar as holy shit that goes up fast. By viewing the same data in logarithmic terms, the tracking uh, and tracking how price seems to jump upwards following each Bitcoin halving event, Plan B was able to come up with this compelling stock-to-flow model. This model suggests that the halvings themselves are at the heart of Bitcoin's exponential rise to date and ostensibly into the future. When we when we reduce the red line above <clears throat> into into a simplified version of our big picture of asset types, we get something like this. And the red line he's referring to is the price of Bitcoin in plan B stock to flow model. And if you haven't seen that, I honestly don't know where you've been. It's been everywhere. Okay. So now we go back to the, to the original graph that he's got with value on the Y axis going up and then time across the bottom axis or the X axis going sideways to the right. And Bitcoin ends up being the one that, ends up oh it ends up being the one that's on the very top that goes from you know a value of you know a hundred and it just goes up and to the right above equities above scarce assets clearly above inflationary depreciating and consumption assets 
The two types of modern currencies we've now looked at have very different DNA. The first, fiat currency, is designed to exponentially decay in purchasing power over time. The second, Bitcoin, is designed to exponentially appreciate in purchasing power over time. <clears throat> this ultra-simplified representation of the nature of the United States dollar and Bitcoin also contains the implications of a world-changing economic reality. In 2014, Pierre Richard penned Speculative Attack in which he outlined how the diverging nature of the value of dollars and the value of Bitcoin over time creates fertile ground for bold individuals to borrow dollars in order to buy Bitcoin and repay that debt in the future. Okay, this is where things get a little scary, okay? Uh, you may or may not want to try this for yourself. Importantly, this is not a recommendation or a guarantee that the mechanics above will play out accordingly. However, if the logic in the earlier sections of this piece is sound and the economic realities that underpin Bitcoin and the dollar deterministically set them on diverging paths into the future, the option is there. Indeed, that's what MicroStrategy has already acted upon. In December of 2020, having already deployed the, public's enti the public company's entire treasury, entire treasury, into Bitcoin, MicroStrategy then issued $650 million in convertible debt in order to purchase yet more Bitcoin. In an environment with dramatic dollar printing and investors desperate for any kind of yield, the terms of the deal were attractive to lenders, and MicroStrategy quickly secured the debt and deployed the funds, buying 29,646 Bitcoin at an average price of 21,925 per Bitcoin. One month later, MicroStrategy is up more than 50% on its speculative attack. If the mechanics described here are accurate, more individuals and entities will leverage the opportunity contained therein, not as a gamble, but as an informed strategic move to leverage the fundamentally different design of the two currencies. The entire world faces a massive economic incentive to borrow dollars, buy Bitcoin, and settle the debt when a sufficient amount of time has passed that the value of the Bitcoin holdings and borrowed dollars have meaningfully diverged. Acting on this comes with considerable risk and requires that an individual or entity is prepared to service the debt that they take on. That's the important part here, people. Either for the years before the purchasing power diverges manifest, or in the event of unexpected total disaster like losing keys. That said, if the representation of reality in this article is correct, the highest and best use of a dollar of debt may simply be to buy Bitcoin. Any more individuals and entities will leverage this asymmetry for personal gain into the future. The logical conclusion of this trend is that eventually nobody will be willing to lend dollars when they can just buy Bitcoin with those dollars themselves. And once the world has reached that level of understanding of Bitcoin, it's game over. Fiat currencies simply can't withstand the economic reality that Bitcoin imposes upon them. Bitcoin will continue appreciating while fiat currencies will continue decaying because that's in its DNA. All right, so there's the speculative attack. Basically leveraging <clears throat> fiat currency to purchase Bitcoin. And then as your Bitcoin price rises, it'll get to a point where you can pay back the original debt and still have a shit ton of Bitcoin left over. That's the speculative attack. And as that happens, it makes the fiat dollar look weaker and weaker. Actually, all fiat currencies. It, you do this in yen, pounds, euro. It, it doesn't matter what piece of shit currency you're using because at one point or another, <clears throat> people are always willing to lend dollars. But at one point, they're not going to want to do that anymore. And that's, that's the day. 
that's the day when people will be like, and oh my God, I, I'm not willing to lend it because I can just buy Bitcoin with it. And yet here I am with it. So what do you think they're going to do? Well, they're going to end up trying to buy Bitcoin with it. And guess what? Nobody's going to want to take it. At one point or another, there's good, there, there comes a time when somebody says, man, I've got a shit ton of money. I will pay you $100 million per Bitcoin. And that person will look at him and go, I don't want your filthy fiat. It is worthless to me. Go fish. So there, so here, here it, it ends up being is that there, there comes a point in this exponential decay of fiat currencies where there, a point is reached and fiat currency's value will have to fall off of a cliff. Whatever's left of value at, on that day, it'll just evaporate. And people who have like, their, like the, the person that has $100 million in fiat cash and no Bitcoin will literally be poor. Be careful with this, people. Don't go out, you know, I mean, my advice, don't mortgage your house. Don't take loans. Don't try the speculative attack. Because chances are good that the normal taco pleb doesn't have enough money to survive a downturn. Because you, if, if, if you've been in Bitcoin long enough, you know what can happen. <clears throat> and then you have to wait it out for two or three years. Can you service the debt for two or three years if you, more, if you take a mortgage out on your house? And like, a, especially a second or a third. If you get a, a, a home improvement loan, like go and lie to the bank and say you're going to build a, I don't know, do something to your house and you take $50,000, can you service that debt for two to three years while you wait, <clears throat> wait out a bear market or a sideways market? That's the question that you have to ask. And if the answer is no, then freaking don't do it. Okay. Just buy Bitcoin with whatever fiat you got and just hold, you know, hold tight. Right. Because you have people like Elon Musk. So here we go. We're, we're you know, we're getting into it because it's happening. Tesla did buy $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Okay. Not a spec. Why is it not a speculative attack? Because he didn't borrow $1.5 billion in Bitcoin or a, a fiat dollar to buy Bitcoin. He just bought Bitcoin. Okay. Just straight up said, here's a $1.5 billion. Give me some Bitcoin. Nick Hoffman tells us about it from Bitcoin Magazine says, Elon Musk's multi-billion dollar company, Tesla has purchased an aggregate 1.5 billion of BTC and will begin to accept the cryptocurrency as payment per financial performance report filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission for the fiscal year ending on December 31st, 2020. So this, I guess, is first quarter report <clears throat> or last quarter report per the filing. In January 2021, the company updated its investment policy to, quote, provide us with more flexibility to further diversify and maximize returns on our cash that is not required to maintain adequate operating liquidity, end quote. This update was officially approved by Tesla's audit committee of its board of directors, and then the buying had begun. Now, let's just hold right there. There's a couple of salty news commentators <clears throat> who were suggesting that it was possible that the board of directors didn't know. And somehow the, the people that like, they were literally asking the question, well, did he run this by the board of directors? Yeah, you have to. That's, I mean, if, if he didn't, oh my God. So think about that. You've got people that are paid mondo amounts of cash to sit as a talking head on CNBC 
and they're actually questioning whether or not Elon Musk ran this shit by the board of directors. Yeah, you dipshit. He had to. Board of directors, most likely the shareholders, because you can't really do anything without talking to the shareholders. I mean, Michael Saylor had to do the same thing. He had to ask him and say, if you want out, here's your punch out card. You can, like, I will give you this much money for all of your shares. All right. It, it was not, it was not done in like some kind of covert action. That's quote illegal. So maybe one of these days, all of us Bitcoiners will actually be hired to replace the talking heads because they clearly don't know how this shit works. And that's just so sad because that was on CNBC. <clears throat> Also, according to the filing, Tesla will begin accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment for its goods and services in the future, though it may or may not liquidate upon receipt. That's in quotes. As many see Bitcoin as a long-standing store of value, including an increasing wave of uh, corporations, it would make sense for the company to hold on to the BTC instead of selling for fiat. The filing indicated that Tesla does intend to hold these assets long term. It's likely that Tesla's acceptance of Bitcoin will garner additional sales as many within the Bitcoin community are fond of the company. That's true. The price of BTC surged last month when Musk changed his, pro changed his pro Twitter profile to Bitcoin and Bitcoiners were further engage engaged when he took to Clubhouse to explicitly endorse Bitcoin shortly thereafter. Tesla's filing became public less than a week after MicroStrategy held its Bitcoin for Corporations conference Many institutions have followed the software intelligence company and its CEO, Michael Saylor, in diverting their treasury assets into Bitcoin, with MicroStrategy buying 0.1% of the total Bitcoin supply last summer. The conference was an effort to demonstrate the playbook for how and why holding Bitcoin on a corporate balance sheet makes sense. So there's the news. That's what happened if, for whatever reason that you didn't know. But, the, you know, honestly, the more important part here is the fact that in the filing itself, it said that they plan on accepting uh, Bitcoin for goods and services. That's an important deal. I mean, it's it's much more important than we might think. You know, we always say that a, tech, a new technology will not be adopted unless it's a 10x advantage over the existing technology. Think about it in the different direction. A new payment method, okay, paying for something will not be accepted unless the value of what it is that you can buy is one-tenth of what you could previously buy with that payment method, to wit, right? <clears throat> I buy a $400,000 house in Florida for Bitcoin, okay? Because real estate's been sold for Bitcoin for, you know, a few years now. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, well, there's a lot of people that have done it. Whole buildings have gone for Bitcoin, condos, houses, you name it. And it's been going on for like two or three years if, and probably longer than that. All right, so a Tesla Model 3 costs about $40,000, which is one-tenth of the cost of a $400,000, you know, beachfront pro or well, actually just regular house in, in somewhere in Florida, All right? That's a, represents a one-tenth amount that you can now purchase for Bitcoin. I believe my theory is that the way that uh, Bitcoin right now being a store of value and there like a lot of people say, well, it can never be a medium of exchange. It can only be a, a, a store of value. Bullshit. Because if I could buy a $400,000 house with Bitcoin, then that means that I got to wait until I have enough Bitcoin that I feel comfortable buying a $40,000 house to actually execute that trade, right? 
Now, though, I can buy a $40,000 car. So I'm, now I can buy something that actually costs one-tenth. I have the, the function, I've, I've been enabled to functionally buy something that is not $400,000, but $40,000. The next step is jewelry, $4,000. That's another one-tenth X situation. Now I can buy a $4,000 you know, necklace with Bitcoin and not a $40,000 car. Next step down is a, a high quality five-star meal for a family of four at a five-star restaurant at $400. Next step down is I can take that same family over to Tahini's, one of my favorite restaurants, which I've never eaten at, but they're Bitcoiners, so they've got to be good. That and I like shawarma. Now I can, now that's another 10x move. The last 10x move people is, is Starbucks coffee. And by that time, everything's going to be priced in sats. Just saying. Tesla's Model 3 finds its way above Bitcoin on CoinMarketCap. Sharwa Malwa says from Decrypt.co uh, sometime today that cryptocurrency tracking and data site CoinMarketCap has listed a Tesla Model 3, the world's best-selling electric vehicle above Bitcoin on its site today, a commemorative gesture to celebrate celebrate Tesla's mammoth Bitcoin purchase. As per the image below, the Model 3 token sells for $37,990, which is the actual price of the car, with a market cap of $24 billion and a circulating supply of $902,895. But don't rush to buy the token. It doesn't exist. The Model 3 listing has been put up as part of CoinMarketCap's untracked listings criteria, defined as an asset slash product that may not be listed on the open market, but shows crypto adoption, community engagement, innovation, among other factors to signify its importance to the broader crypto ecosystem. So while the top-ranked cryptocurrency is not a Model 3, an electric sedan produced by Tesla, CoinMarketCap pays homage to what is one of the largest ever purchases of Bitcoin by a prominent enterprise. <laughs> now the rest of it just goes in, basically goes into the actual purchase of, of Bitcoin by Tesla, and we already went through that. <clears throat> but along the same lines, or <laughs> rather in the same, in the same realm, we have somebody going the other direction. <clears throat> As Tesla bets on Bitcoin, former Goldman exec ditches the stock. Investor Gary Black said he's out on Tesla, citing risky capital allocation. Will Gottensgen is going to uh, tell us about it from Decrypt.co, also writing sometime yesterday. Crypto devotees are particularly or predictably enthused by Tesla's $1.5 billion investment in Bitcoin, but one shareholder isn't as pleased. Gary Black, a private investor and former Goldman Sachs executive who's become something of an influencer, he has nearly 50,000 followers on Twitter, said this morning that he's out on Tesla for now. Quote, I have exited my Tesla positions after being long since August of 2019. The absence of clear fiscal year 21 delivery guidance, increased odds of a first quarter miss, and a more risky capital allocation or policy and slash higher earnings variability were the primary factors. He didn't like the, the he didn't like them buying Bitcoin. He elaborated on the risky capital allocation comment in another post. Quote, Tesla has always been higher risk, but investing $1.5 billion in Bitcoin makes it even more risky, he tweeted. Black has reason to worry. Bitcoin is notoriously volatile. No, it's not. It's a fiat currency that's volatile against Bitcoin. <clears throat> but whatever. 
while the markets has been have been way up over the past few months, there's no guarantee it will stay that way. After Bitcoin shot up to an all-time high in late 2017, it lost nearly half its value just a few days later. And last month, the price of Bitcoin dropped by about a fifth in the span of a single day. Ooh. But despite the hesitation, Black isn't ruling out the possibility of buying more Tesla stock down the line. Quote, I've made a lot of money on Tesla over the past 18 months, he wrote and will look for a lower entry point to get back in. Good luck. I mean, it could happen. I mean, you know, honestly, it, it could. I wouldn't bet on it, but whatever, it could. Um, this one is, uh, author is Anthonia Isichi, writing for Crypto Potato, and she's writing this one yesterday as well, that Apple should follow Tesla's 1.5 billion Bitcoin outlay, outlay, says RBC Capital Markets, quote, or not quote, rather, BTC is becoming a popular feature on the balance sheets of publicly listed American companies, with many firms committing a significant portion of their equivalent cash balance to the largest cryptocurrency, mar <coughs> cryptocurrency by market capitalization. According to a client note quoted by Bloomberg, RBC Capital Markets, RBC Capital Markets, or I'm sorry, RBC Capital Markets has urged the iPhone maker to create a Bitcoin exchange platform and also acquire some of the popular cryptocurrency. <clears throat> As part of the note to investors, RBC Capital Markets argued that such an investment move would be savvier than getting into the electric vehicle market, adding, quote, the wallet initiative appears to be a clear multi-billion dollar opportunity for the firm. Potential for well over $40 billion in annual revenue with limited R&D. Oh, God. Yuck. No, I would not enter the wallet space, okay? You, there's plenty of wallets. You just need to buy the Bitcoin. Indeed, rumors of a planned Apple pivot into the EV market took a hit recently when both Hyundai and Kia distanced themselves from re reported negotiations with the U.S. tech giant RBC's call is coming on the heels of reports that EV manufacturing giant Tesla has acquired $1.5 in Bitcoin with plans to potentially accept it as payments. The news sent the price of Bitcoin surging. Well, of course. According to an earlier crypto potato report, Tesla's Bitcoin outlay amounted to 15% of its net cash holdings. Holy shit. For RBC, the successes of the likes of Coinbase, Square, and PayPal show the viability of the Bitcoin exchange platform model. Furthermore, the Apple bull stated that the company's crypto exchange service would have little difficulty in securing significant market share given its proven track record in the area of online security. <clears throat> to facilitate the success of Apple's crypto exchange, RBC added that the company should convert part of its cash reserve to BTC. There you go. According to RBC, such a move would incentivize greater utility for the platform while helping to boost the price of Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Bitcoin surge above the $44,000 mark has been met with some resistance, possibly due to profit-taking, that has driven the BTC price down to around $43,000 at the time of this writing. So, yeah, I don't know. They don't need to be doing a wallet. An exchange, I could kind of see, but remember we were I was talking yesterday about uh, how far out of your core competencies you can get before being completely uncomfortable? While Apple is about software, Apple is about products that contain their software. Turn, you know, being like something like, you know, turning into something like Cash App, even, honestly, that's, that's not their core competency. Apple's core competency is the marriage of hardware and software 
with the mind of user interface and user experience. That's what Apple's good at. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't pull a cash app or a PayPal and, and start, you know, maybe exchanging Bitcoin and, and become a payments platform because they certainly know, probably know how to do it, but it doesn't fit with their branding. Their branding has always been product, software, user interface, user experience. That's Apple. Everything else is so far outside their wheelhouse that I would, that, I mean, that's when as an investor, I'd be going, yeah, I don't want to have any part of that shit. Although I would, I could, would probably be wrong, but it would be a better bet <clears throat> to bet against Apple as, if they were to move that far outside of their wheelhouse, just saying. Now, somebody who wants to get into the wheelhouse is Miami mayor. He wants to move on the municipal Bitcoin buy this week. This week. Should have been last week because he would have been a freaking hero and he's still probably going to be a hero. But Will Gottensgen is going to tell us about it from Decrypt and says, as the cryptocurrency market swells in the wake of Tesla's Bitcoin investment, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez has suggested that he wants to move forward on investing some city funds into Bitcoin. Responding to the news of Tesla's $1.5 billion buy, influencer Anthony Pompliano wrote that, quote, the race is on to see what municipality is going to be the first to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet and tagged Suarez, who spent the past few weeks plugging crypto on Twitter. Suarez dropped a quote tweet, <clears throat> working on a resolution for our commission for this Thursday's meeting to get the ball rolling, Elon Musk's announcement was very helpful. Now all we need is for Amazon to adopt and then a whole bunch of rocket ships. Hey, well, at least he knows how to meme. Or was slightly. I mean, he's, he's learning. He'll get into the meme game later, I guarantee it. Whether or not the resolution gains any traction on Thursday, it's a significant gesture from a politician who's quickly become one of the most visible crypto boosters in the country. You spelt Bitcoin wrong. He's promised to turn Miami into a kind of Bitcoin mecca, not crypto, hosting meetings with the, Winklevi, with the Winklevi and Bitcoin mining executives and bragged on more than one occasion about having lunch with Peter Thiel. Suarez also recently hired the city's first ever chief technology officer and said he'd like to interview fellow cryptocurrency advocate Paris Hilton. Oh, God. Bitcoin is an extremely volatile asset. While its proponents are very much all in on the promise of long-term viability, most major financial institutions continue to steer clear. MicroStrategy and Square, led by Michael Saylor and Jack Dorsey, respectively, have been leading the Bitcoin charge among publicly traded company. Companies, while Tesla's endorsement earlier today may not change the minds of the big banks, well, it will never change the minds of the big banks because it's going to crush them. It's part of a small but growing trend among dominant tech companies. How that dynamic will play out in city government remains unclear. Yeah, it is unclear, but still, <clears throat> if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Suarez. Miami's got, you know, they're sitting on some good cash. You know, Miami's a really stable city. It seems to be fairly well run and has been seemingly for, you know, decades. It's got a high proportion of Cuban immigrants, which I think is going to be interesting for the immediate adoption. If, if the city moves, makes this move and not just puts BTC on their balance sheet, but starts saying we want businesses to start transacting in Bitcoin, I guarantee you it's going to be the Cubans they're going to be the ones that benefit the most. Not just because 
they will be the first ones to say, yeah, we know what happened in our, in our country. We're, we're still talking to our family back there. We need sound money. And they're going to be the first ones to adopt it on that alone, but also the remittance. The remittance, remittance issues are automatically solved for all of them. Now, they can do it as it is, but if the mayor moves this way, well, then it sends a signal that you should probably be doing this. And then the rest of the Cuban part of Miami and the surrounding area will start going, well, shit, you forget Western Union. And if Western Union loses all of their remittance uh, ability, not abilities, but all their remittance customers out of Miami, dude, you're they're done. <clears throat> Bitcoin's liquid supply slides as institutions and investors just hold. This is Martin Young writing for Crypto Potato. Recent research by on-chain analytics prov provider Glassnote revealed that Bitcoin's liquid supply is continuing to decrease as investors progressively acquire and hold the asset long-term. The findings indicate that there is currently around 78% of issued Bitcoin and that are either lost or being hodled. It added that this leaves less than 4 million BTC to be shared amongst future market entrants, including large institutional investors such as PayPal Square, S&P 500 companies, ETFs, and the likes. Quote, with the float in the network drying up faster than ever, signs are promising for continued BTC price increases in the future. End quote. Uh, the recent surge in BTC price may have been driven by retail traders as social sentiment on Twitter has hit record highs following the Tesla announcement. Uh, that they bought a $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Grayscale also continues to add to its Bitcoin trust, and its most recent tweet suggests that assets under management for the institutional investment firm are at a record high of over $33 billion. The Bitcoin trust still contains the lion's share of all Grayscale investment, with 82% of the total assets under management. Crypto assets manager CoinShares confirmed the BTC investment product trading volumes remain high, averaging $670 million per day last week, representing 5.4% of total Bitcoin trading volumes. Analyst Willie Wu stated that the big players have been adding to their stashes. Quote, whales have been adding to their balances throughout this dip and new whales continue to be birthed. This shows that new coins have been bought by strong hands. Uh, at the time of press, Bitcoin was trading at forty-seven thousand six hundred dollars. All right, so look, th that's important because at, again, this is one of those things where, at one point or another, people are going to find it harder and harder to be able to get a hold of Bitcoin, and that's going to accelerate that other point at which people holding the the guy that's holding a hundred million dollars in cash and nobody will sell him Bitcoin because at that point, the people holding Bitcoin are looking at this pile of cash going. Why would I ever trade my Bitcoin for that? Because that will happen. And this liquidity crunch only accelerates the speed at which that will occur. So, you know, speaking of, you know, physics and such, let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. Uh, we, looks like we might be having a mixed bag today. West Texas Intermediate is up only, you know, 0.05%. That's coming in at 58 bucks a barrel. Brenton North Sea is coming in at $60.69. That is almost a quarter of a percent rise. Natural gas swung low 2%. Uh, $2.80 is going to get you a thousand, uh, hundred, yeah, a thousand cubic feet of that stuff. 
metals are mostly up. Gold is up uh, 0.578, is going to come in at $1,844. Silver is up half a percent, 27 bucks an ounce or $27.71 an ounce. Platinum is up, damn, a point and three quarters, $1,195 on platinum. Copper is coming up a point. $3.07 for copper. Palladium is the only one that went down. It dipped 1.1% today. Uh, index futures, everything is down, but in a meh sort of way. Dow futures is down 0.18. S&P futures down 0.12%. NASDAQ futures down 0.07%. S&P mini is down 0.19%. Let's talk about real money. Bitcoin at a price of 46000 $492. Wow. I've, they have like literally no other market data. That's the only price that bitinfocharts.com is telling me. Usually they have several prices listed. I wonder what's going on. Whatever. $46,492.94. Oh, there we go. Now it updated. Uh, let's see if I got a low. I do have a high. Uh, it looks like the high is going to be a bit stamp, 46863 And it does appear that the 46492 is the low. 365,500 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours. That's 15,231 transactions per hour on average. 672,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours with 28,000 BTC being sent per hour on average, the average transaction value is almost 2 BTC, and the median transaction value is 0.022 BTC, which is about $1,021. I've never seen, I've never seen it that high before. Block times are still low, 9 minutes and 32 seconds. We have 1.22 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 184.8 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. A 1.6% dip in hash rate brings us down to 169.5 exahashes per second. What's Doge doing? Oh my God, Doge is still at 8 cents, people. 8 cents. My God almighty. And it's like, it's flippant Bcash uh, market cap. It uh, flippant BSV a long time ago. And it's was usually in front of Ethereum Classic, but a few weeks ago it flippant it. So Dogecoin is now right behind Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin in market cap. Of course, those are just the ones that I'm showing on, on uh, coin uh, or rather uh, BitInfo charts. Clark, what do you got to say? We've got a pretty congested mempool. Uh, 78,892 transactions are going to need to board 81 blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $860.4 billion, and that's 7.23% of gold's market cap. And now, one Bitcoin will buy you 25.1 ounces of gold. And uh, considering that there's 18,623,981.48 BTC in circulation, Peter is probably not very, you know, happy. Uh, Clark Moody's uh, dashboard says that the price is 46185 We have 1,072.19 BTC in the Lightning uh, Network. We That represents almost $50 million in capacity. It's never been that high before. We have 8,823 nodes representing 37,950 channels. 
Percentage of Tor capacity ticks up yet another tenth. 53.2% of the Lightning Network is now run over the Tor. Uh, not the Tor. Ran over Tor. And uh, that is, let's see, oh, over 3,370 Tor nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Regulation, 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 regulation. G7 to discuss CBDC and digital taxation this week. Oh, the G7, one of my favorite people. Samuel Haig writing for Cointelegraph sometime yesterday. G7 will begin its February 12th meeting on the subject of di central bank digital currencies before moving to digital taxation and accelerating global debt. <laughs> Japanese finance minister Taro Aso has revealed the G7's financial leaders will discuss central bank digital currencies during the meeting on February the 12th. The meeting will be chaired by Britain, with representatives from the world's largest economies set to discuss strategies for navigating their way out of the global economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic. That's not what caused it. Their, their dreadful mismanagement is what has caused that. Okay, anything could have happened. I mean, it's like if it got worse and worse and worse, a Cessna... You know, two-seater plane could have crashed into a two-story building in frickin' Minneapolis and it would have caused this. It just depends on how bad whatever happens happens and how bad the situation, the environment that it happens in is, is, right? Pandemic did not cause this. Shitty financial decisions over the last 51 years have caused it. 51 being 1970, which is the year that they were mulling over getting out of the gold standard. And then in uh, 71, they did it. Okay. So that's bullshit. Friday's meeting will com commence on the topic of CBDCs, but the minister noted the G7 will also discuss the implementation of digital taxation and emerging debt problems. The G7 or group of seven is an intergovernmental organization consisting of the U S the uh, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom. The G7 has recently pushed to prioritize the regulation of digital currencies with the organization reiterating its October statement calling for robust legislation to govern uh, the digital payment sector during a meeting last month. The October statement also noted CBDCs could realize significant efficiency savings and reduce friction in the payment sectors of G7 member states. You're only eight years behind. G7 meeting comes as China makes major progress in rolling out its blockchain services network, or BSN, with big four consulting firm Ernst & Young announcing it will deploy two blockchain-powered products on the BSN last week. The BSN is the first blockchain network to be developed and maintained by China's central government. Even IBM is getting out of the blockchain game, people, so... Who knows where this shit's going to go? But French official regulations, again, Helen Parts tells us about this guy from Cointelegraph. French official wants to change how Europe regulates crypto and blockchain. France's top financial regulator has proposed to change the way cryptocurrency industry is supervised in Europe. Robert Offel, I guess, chairman of Autorité de Marches addressed crypto-related regulatory issues at the fifth annual conference on fintech and regulation. The official argued that financial supervisors must take a new approach in regulating blockchain-based financial instruments due to massive growth in the market. Ophel proposed that 
the European Securities and Market Authority, or the ESMA, should be responsible, the responsible authority for this new area of regulation and supervision. Ofel emphasized that the current stage of regulation in the European Union would make it easier for the ESMA to develop guidelines and policies. Quote, as this regulation is brand new, it is easier to provide ESMA with competence from the outset than if this is considered at a later stage. Moreover, it would make sense to gather all the expertise within the same authority since the cost of entry in the crypto world is quite high, end quote. Located in Paris, the ESMA is an independent EU authority focused on safeguarding the stability of the union's financial system by enhancing investor protection and promoting stable financial markets. Hold on for that. The stability of the union's financial system by enhancing investor protection. So the only way that your financial system gains stability is if investors pour their money into it rather than savings. Just think about that. That's a theme that we have not caught on to until, honestly, I don't think anybody really understood the gravity of what that actually means until this whole Robin Hood fiasco. Sure, lots of people figured it out even before Bitcoin, but I think I'm talking about freaking retail, talking about taco plebs, man, right? We didn't figure this shit out until late. The only way that these people can protect the financial stability of all these European countries that are gathered together in this bullshit union is for investors, investors to pour their money into it, in a sense. Just, it's just so scary. Ophel suggested that uh, also suggested more enabling regulations, including a regulatory sandbox for the security token industry. The official said that the current rules hamper the development of blockchain technology as they were designed for centralized systems. Ophel said that the decentralized nature of blockchain could play a crucial role in the European economy. Quote, DLT, <laughs> distributed ledger technology, oh God, would reduce risks both by speeding up the market chain and by its distributed nature that could mitigate some of the cyber risks uh, raised by centralized market infrastructure, such as single point of failure. It is also a question of keeping Europe competitive Europe competitive at a time when similar approaches are now being rolled out in many countries, end quote. God, the shit coinery. The European Commission published its markets, uh, published its markets and crypto assets or, or MICA regulations in September of 2020, providing legislative regimes for crypto markets and relevant service providers. Major crypto companies, including Coin, uh, Consensus, subsequently expressed concern about the, about the MICA, warning that the new regulations could overburden the industry with costly and complex compliance and uh, legal requirements. Well, the, the, you know, it's, it's, just, it's easy. Don't be, don't be centralized. I mean, honestly, this is just, that's just, you just don't want to do that. BitMEX introduces data storage framework for FATF's travel rule, yet more regulation. Compliance chief Malcolm Wright led the development of BitMEX's data storage principles for crypto exchanges. Where is Arthur Hayes? I don't know. Where is he? Anyway, so <clears throat> this is uh, Ian Allison writing for Coindesk.com. 
Crypto exchange BitMEX has published a framework of principles for how best to store additional batches of transaction, transactional provenance data, a requirement exchanges face as part of the new anti-money laundering rules. In order to fall in line with the rest of the financial system, virtual asset service providers, or VASPs, have been asked to obtain, hold, and exchange information about the originators and beneficiaries of transactions known colloquially as the travel rule. Global anti-money laundering watchdog, the Financial Action Task Force, expects the crypto industry to implement the new rule by June 2021. The response from the crypto industry has been enthusiastic bullshit, including a widely agreed-upon standard for the format of the data payload VASPs must share, known as the Intra-VASP Messaging Standard, or IVMS-101 as well as a number of technical solutions focused on how best to implement the rule currently being built by crypto firms, banks, and consortia. Less attention has been given to how this all this additional customer data should be stored, according to Malcolm Wright, Chief Compliance Officer at 100X Group, which is the parent company of BitMEX. Quote, solution providers have been concentrating on the transmission of the data to make sure that it's immediate and secure, Wright said in an interview. But what about when the data actually arrives at its destination, how can you ensure that it's stored securely and appropriately at the right sort of standards? Wright, who led the development of the data storage principles, decided to leverage BitMEX's seasoned security experts with the intent to start a conversation around data storage via an open source project that industry and regulators can chime in on. Quote, this kind of completes the puzzle, Wright said. You have the IVMS standard for the format of the data. You have the protocol providers who will be transmitting the data, and then you have some principles around the storage of data. Seychelles-based BitMEX was thrust into the spotlight last year following an enforcement action from U.S. authorities around weak compliance procedures at the firm, which saw arrest warrants issued for some senior executives and co-founders. BitMEX owner 100X Group hired Wright, formerly the compliance chief at Diginex, in October 2020. Since then, the firm's AML KYC procedures have been revamped, starting with the removal of any historic non-KYC accounts on the platform. Excuse me, bless me. BitMEX's travel rule data storage principles focus on things like access management, encryption standards, and keeping travel rule data separate from other operational customer data. Like the IVMS IVMS 101 messaging standard, Wright thinks this security benchmark will further grease the wheels when it comes to implementing the FATF mandate, which may also involve VASPs looking to onboard each other as they side with certain technical solutions. So, Quote, so if BitMEX chooses to be exchanging data with other VASPs, then we can say, are you operating to a minimum set such as these? So that also helps get confidence among VASPs that they can work together, said right. Okay, so yet more more knee bending, more compliance, more please don't hit me, more spinelessness, more bullshit. This is just, you know, you think it's going to end and then it just, continues on and on and on. Now, from a company I haven't heard from in over a year, Bitcoin-based lending and savings platform Ledin raises $2.7 million. Got Reddit, got $250 million for their bullshit platform. Ledin gets 2.7. God, we're still so early. Christian Carolis is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. This morning, Toronto-based Bitcoin lending and savings company Ledin that's spelled L-E-D-N, sort of like HODL, uh, announced a $2.7 million financing round led by White Stars Digital Assets Fund, 
with participation from Darrow Holdings, Coinbase Ventures, Global Founders Capital, and CMT Digital and Kingsway. The Toronto-based company serves clients in over 100 countries by offering interest payment savings accounts for Bitcoin and USDC, as well as Bitcoin-backed loans that provide borrowers with access to fiat or the opportunity to buy more Bitcoin. In a release shared with Bitcoin Magazine, Ledin said it will use the proceeds from the raise to further accelerate its growth. Quote, over the past three years, we focused on building a simple and secure platform that allows clients to grow their digital wealth through savings and credit products. As we expand on our off product offering with no fee trading rolling out in the next several months and go deeper into new markets. We couldn't be more excited to work with this select group of top venture investors that believe in our mission, mission, says Adam Reeves, which is the co-founder and CEO of Ledin. Um, In addition to the new fundraise, Ledin is also demonstrating its commitment to transparency by becoming the first ever digital asset lender to complete a formal proof of reserves attestation. The examination will be completed by Armania, Armanino LLP, a digital assets assurance firm. Moving forward, Ledin users will be able to leverage that platform to verify that their own funds were included in the attestation, while Ledin indicated that client privacy and data will remain secure. The team believes that such proof of reserves clarity will continue to become more important to users, and the team hopes that its efforts will influence an industry-wide standard of transparency. Quote, we believe that proof of reserves reviews that cover all assets and lending activities should be an industry standard across all lending platforms, says Mauricio Di Bartolomeo, co-founder and CSO of Ledin, in the release. So there you go. Now, I, t- I actually, the very first time that I was ever invited to be on Adam Meister's This Week in Bitcoin, Adam, the CEO of Ledin, was, was actually on there. Good guy. I mean... And we had a we had an interesting discussion about the whole proof of reserves thing because they do that anyway. This attestation thing, they've been doing it, except that now it's going to be done. It's it's not just done by Leaden themselves. It's not just that Leaden is enabling that their you know that their customers can do it, which they had already been doing. Now there's a third party involved that's going to give their stamp of approval on everything from a completely different set of eyeballs. So they're doing the right thing. Ledin is actually doing the right thing. Love them or hate them because they lend, they're a lending company. I don't care. At least they're doing the right thing here. Um, Blockfolio apologizes after racist terms are posted in their portfolio app. Jesus. Coindesk's uh, Tanzil Akhtar is writing this one. Blockfolio has said, I'm sorry, after racist posts were distributed over its cryptocurrency portfolio and news app overnight, at least two messages purporting to be from a major cryptocurrency platform were posted containing racist terms of abuse via signals, Blockfolio's communications feed aimed to allow token projects to connect and engage with their communities. In a tweet Tuesday morning, Blockfolio, it was incredibly sorry about the offensive messages posted today, end quote. The firm said no funds were affected. Oh, jeez. Quote, we have revoked access to the compromised signal submitter and removed the messages, it said. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, CEO of the FTX exchange that owns Blockfolio, tweeted that all the apps trading accounts are being given $10 by way of saying, I'm sorry. Quote, no members of the Blockfolio team wanted this to happen, but we are all responsible for our product and we'll be doing what we can to fix this. I'll be donating to the ACLU today, as will a number of other staff members. End quote. <laughs> God. 
Look, I get it. You know, racist messages aside, you know, it, it's, it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's mean. You shouldn't do it. But honestly, paying lip service like as a rushed apology, basically all you say, all you do in this particular case is you say, we didn't do this. Here's how we prove it. Here's the steps we've taken to make sure those messages are gone. And here's what we're doing to make sure that this shit doesn't happen again. Giving everybody $10 and a donation to the ACLU is fucking lip service, right? And it's honestly, it's insulting. It's just, oh, we'll just pay them off. I mean, did the ACLU even know? I mean, are they going to find out because all of a sudden they get a donation from Blockfolio? Is that how they're going to find out? Because I guarantee you, they probably don't know that this shit happened. And honestly, I think the ACLU is probably going to be insulted when they figure out how weirdly you handled this. You gave everybody 10 bucks and then you donated to the ACLU. I mean, honestly, that's like, dude, that's like token. That's like token black guy. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that's the way you're treating it. I mean, and, and honestly, you know what's going to happen now? Everybody's going to call you racist. See, that's, that's why you don't even enter into this shit. You don't, this is how you get out of that shit by never getting into that shit. You, you fix the problem and then you make sure it doesn't happen. You make sure you take steps that you make sure it never going to happen again. Then you come out publicly and you say, we are sorry that this happened. Here's what we've done to fix the issue at hand. Here's what we're doing going forward. We're sorry. That's it. You don't pay people off and you certainly don't go to the ACLUs with, with a whole wad of cash saying, I'm sorry, unless, I mean, you don't even do that if they, if they contact you and say, dude, your, your shit sucks. You say, you know what? You're right. My shit does suck. And here's the steps that we've taken to fix it. And here's what we're doing going forward in the future. And you end it right there. You fix the problem and you address the future. That's it. That's all you have to do. Okay, so that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, I got to do my duty here, man. Terrible Joke Corner is not brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. In this case, uh, this is going to be big Big Mar and a combination of at Big Mar, B I G M A R H, and Brecky Von Bitcoin, which is B V B T C on Twitter. Um, the joke is this now, How come Tesla will never invest in Ethereum? Why? Because Teslas don't run on gas. Yeah, see, I need to stick with Dad Says Jokes because between Brecky and Bigma, you guys are, are killing me. You're, you're killing me. You're killing the vibe. All right. With the racist shit, okay? Stop getting, stop getting yourself into obvious quagmires by just dealing with the problem and then forgetting it. Not forgetting about it. Just deal, deal with the problem. Do it logically do it competently, and do it with energy and efficiency, okay? In other words, make the freaking effort and then shut the hell up. Stop thinking that paying people off is going to do anything, okay? It's not. It's just, I guarantee the Blockfolio thing is probably just going to backfire. If they're lucky, people will forget that this shit happened. If they're lucky, chances are good it, it won't be. 
uh, the rest of it, Elon Musk, I mean, we've got this, we've got, you know, we had the pump yesterday. We're starting to subside. We're at 50, 40, what, 45,100. Who knows what the hell's going to happen? Will it, will it bank all the way back down to 39,000? I don't know. Probably not. Not if it does, it won't happen for a while because there's going to be some, some other stuff. But I mean, what happens right now if one more company comes out and says, dude, we just threw $750 million of Bitcoin. Cause remember Michael Saylor at, you know, that whole thing started with 250 million. Okay. That was last August was when that shit happened. A quarter of a billion dollars. Here comes Elon with 1.5. Is Apple coming next with 2.5 or 5? Because it would take $5 billion of Apple to have the same kind of percent increase from Elon Musk that Elon Musk increased from Michael Saylor. So $250 million to $1.5 billion to $5 billion. Remember what I was saying about uh, using uh, Bitcoin as a medium of exchange? And it's going to take one-tenth X uh decreases in what it is that you can buy this is the same shit in a different direction if you got like you know like 250 million dollars in and then 1.5 billion dollars in that's an increase if if somebody else comes in and and doubles elon musk man you got a whole ball ball game that's probably fixing to come up so be prepared man be prepared I'm just saying uh, ending price for the show is 45172 and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.